All right, what do you think? Is that a good way to start the Christmas season? Maybe with a little different perspective than what we're used to? For you, is Christmas crazy? Is it a stressful time? Or is it a time truly filled with joy? I know some people are so excited in their anticipation for Christmas, they can't wait to get the decorations up because there's, there's something that overflows with joy from simply remembering the incredible gift that we've been given and the time that we have with one another, the opportunity to share with friends and with family, and it can be filled with great joy. But for others, Christmas is stressful. It feels like there's so much to do and so little time. It's complicated in some ways because it also in our calendar comes at the end of the year. And so if you're in school, you've got all these tests you're preparing for to come to the end of the semester. If you're in the workplace, you've got all kinds of things you've got to get done before the end of the year as well. And there's all this pressure and stress. And in the midst of it, Christmas itself can become incredibly complicated. We get worried over gifts, over activities, over finding just the right thing for our loved one. We know it should be joyful, but in truth, oftentimes it is filled with stress. But it doesn't have to be. It is a choice in how we view this season and what we choose to do with it. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some, some simple things from the scripture and and explore a simple question, what if Christmas looked a lot more like Jesus? That's really ultimately what it should do, isn't it? And if I'm pursuing to make my Christmas celebration and my life look a lot more like Jesus, I'm going to be filled with this joy, and I'm going to be able to not only celebrate the Christmas season, but be able to show the love of Christ in a beautiful way to those around me. So what if Christmas was less about spending and more about giving? What if Christmas was less about hurry and more about intentional time with God and with others? What if Christmas ultimately was more about Jesus and less and less and less about me? Now, think about it. Let's, let's go back in our hearts and our minds to that first Christmas morning. It was amazingly simple. And maybe simple isn't quite the right word to describe that. Humble is. When we begin to think about what life was like for the people dwelling um, in the first century, they were living under incredibly stressful times. The people of Israel were, had been overtaken by the Roman Empire. In essence, they were enslaved to the Roman government, to a pagan world that was enforcing its will upon them. It was influencing their culture. The response of the religious people of the day was to explore and add more and more things that the people needed to do. In fact, the religious leaders, by the time that Jesus Christ came, had 613 rules that you needed to follow in order to be right with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I can possibly remember, no matter how good my um, 
my memorization techniques are 613 rules. I have a hard enough time with like, you know, especially when I was a kid, the really simple ones like make your bed, you know, brush your teeth, um, you know, take out the trash. Those were a challenge for me and my wife will tell you they still are, but I'm working on it. I am getting better on most of those. Make the beds a whole nother story. Um, but the rest of them, I'm doing well. But if your life was defined by trying to keep 613 rules, even spiritually, there wouldn't be a lot of joy. Now, what's beautiful about Jesus, about our Savior, is Jesus steps into that and he says, you know those 613? There's a point to those, but let me make it simple for you. Let me give you two. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, those two I can remember. And you see, the truth is what Jesus was teaching is, is all of the rest of the Ten Commandments and all of the rest of the law that is there in the Scripture find its foundation out of those two things. He made it simple. In the same way, the Christmas story is both amazing and simple. Think about it. During that time, the people were hoping for a political leader to come in and set them free from the bondage they were feeling underneath a foreign power. They were hoping that the decisions that were made in the governing circles would result in a way that someone could rise up and lead them to freedom, to overthrow or to cast off the heavy hand of the Roman Empire upon them. But God knew they had a much deeper need. They needed to be set free, but not so much from Rome as set free from sin. And so the creator of the universe chose to enter this world as a tiny baby born to an unmarried but engaged teenage girl. And there the God of all creation lay helplessly on a simple bed of straw wrapped in strips of cloths. It wasn't very complicated. It was incredibly simple, but amazingly profound. The king became common. God stepped down into broken humanity to lift us back up to himself. You see, it's so easy in the busyness of the Christmas season to lose sight of that which really matters. And we lose sight of the beauty of what God has done. Well, how do we begin to take Christmas back and make sure that we make it something that focuses in on the right things so that we're able to celebrate with joy what God has done? Well, I believe it begins with the passage of Scripture that we read. Now, the passage that we read is not a typical Christmas passage. Um, you don't normally read about giving in that context because that particular giving is often, that particular passage is often used to talk about um, financial campaigns at a church. This is not what that is about at all, okay? Let me be very clear. I'm not going to ask you to give one thing to this church, nothing. I may ask you to give something to somebody else, but nothing to the church, okay? It's not about that. 
but it ends with the most appropriate sentence for which we should begin our celebration of Christmas, and that is thanks be to God for his indescribable or inexpressible gift. And what is that gift? It is Jesus himself. That passage talks about the generosity of God that is then reflected in the generosity of his people. And so if we're going to begin to really simplify Christmas, it starts with thanking God for his indescribable, which means there's no way we can put enough words to it that really fit gift. And that gift is Jesus. So what would happen if our Christmas experience focused far more on the person of Christ than on the presence that we buy? on the paper, on the wrapping, on the decorations, on the celebrations. All those are good, but only if it's beginning with a heart of incredible gratitude for the generousness of our God who has given us himself to meet our deepest need. Jesus himself, he is the gift. Everything else, everything else about Christmas is just wrapping paper and ribbon. Jesus is the gift. Now, what happens? What is it that kind of keeps us from being able to truly enjoy this amazing remembrance of what God has done? We have a tendency to engage in some thought patterns that drive the way we approach the holidays. And and if we're not careful, they will take over and rob us of the joy of Christmas. The first one that keeps us from a Christ-filled Christmas is unrealistic expectations. Oftentimes in our pursuit of the perfect Christmas, we pursue an idea of a great holiday way more than a person. For many people, the challenge is we create in our minds an imaginary experience that if we have just the right food and just the right table decorations and just the right setting and we invite just the right people, it will be just like those movies we see on television. It'll be a chapter right out of Hallmark or whatever Christmas movie that you've watched um, that you go, that's what Christmas is supposed to look like. We have this unrealistic expectation of all these things that are going to happen and then when reality comes because we're focusing in on something that's not real, we end up disappointed. Also, what factors into that is the hurt and pain of the past. Maybe there were hurtful gatherings at Christmas time for you, time with your family where there was words that were said or events that happened that have made it difficult. How do we get past that? Well, I believe the first step is to go back to that simple verse, thanks to be to God for his indescribable gift. Begin with gratitude. So the key is to pursue the person of Christmas, not just the perfect holiday to pursue Jesus instead of all of the stuff and to make sure that the priority that we have this Christmas is to set aside time for you and he to be together. If you don't do anything else this Christmas, 
that would be the greatest investment you could possibly make is to carve out some time so that you and God are alone together. Taking a walk, reading some and meditating on some scripture, thinking about one of the songs that talks about the greatness of the gift we've been given, but being intentional about spending time with Jesus. There's, here's what happens oftentimes. I heard a great story of a little boy who was talking with his dad. And he says, Dad, Christmas is about Jesus, right? It's, it's his birthday, right? Well, and, and dad answers the little boy and says, yes, it is. I'm glad that you understand that. And, and the little boy says, then why do we sing every year, oh, come let us ignore him? I just don't understand it. Why? Oh, come let us ignore him. Oh, come let us ignore him. Now, obviously, he mixed up the word ignore and adore because adore means to, to come and share our love before the Lord. But to a little child, they don't use the word adore very often, and so it sounded like ignore. Now, that's a silly little story, but it's packed with truth because that's often what we do at Christmas. We ignore him. And instead, we pursue unrealistic expectations. Well, a second thought pattern that gets in the way of us having a Christ-filled Christmas is saying yes without saying no. Here's the challenge, is oftentimes we try to overload our schedule with more things and more activities without saying no to something that's already there. And there's no way that we can put everything into it. And what ends up being lost in the process is our time with the Lord. We forget that we have the gift of Emmanuel, God with us. And if we cram so many events and activities into our celebration, we will miss the one that it's all about. We, in the same way, we have this mindset that some, sometimes that more activities equals more fun. The more things that we can do, especially when, when, our, when our family, when our children are young, we want to cram so many things into the holiday season because we think more means better. And the truth is, Christmas is something simple because it is a time to slow down and reflect on the greatness of our God. More is not necessarily better. In fact, it can make life exhausting. Another challenge that we have in our thinking is that we have a tendency, because of the influence of the world around us, to get overstuffed. Now, we can get overstuffed by all the food that we eat during the holidays, but the overstuffed that I mean is too much focus on material things. All of, all of the messages that we have as soon as it hits Christmas season, because to the world, Christmas is about one thing above everything else, money. It is about more people buying more things so that the economy goes up because that is what will make or break the retailer's world. More stuff. 
And so we, it's easy for us to get drawn in to that atmosphere and to think that we need more of these things to fill our life. But material things can never fill an infinite need within us. The only thing that can fill that is God himself. So don't allow the pursuit of more stuff to keep you from having the joy of the real thing, Jesus Christ himself. And finally, the last thing that gets in our way of truly having a Christ-filled Christmas is that we oftentimes have an aweless familiarity. It seems like the same story and we already know it. Many of us have no idea how to add freshness to the Christmas story that we have been told or told to others year after year. Even the youngest children sometimes can be caught up in in thinking, yeah, I know this story. It's about Jesus born in a manger. But do we really understand the living, powerful significance of that treasured event? Do we allow ourselves to experience as brand new year after year, to focus in on the greatness of what God has done, to focus in on the generosity of our God. We all seem to long for a more Christ-centered Christmas, but very few of us know how to go about it. So let me try to give you two things that I think will help begin to change your Christmas experience. And the first one I've already mentioned, and that is simply to reflect upon God's generosity. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. In recent days, I've discovered that I I am learning in a brand new way about God's generosity. In fact, many of my prayers now begin, generous Father, because I'm seeing this this overabundance of how he has poured out gifts for me and for my family and for our church and for those who who know him in incredible ways, and I'm becoming um, blown away by his generosity. Because God's generosity truly is immeasurable. His generosity not just means not just giving something of worth, but it is because he has given himself to someone else without expecting any kind of gift in return. See, oftentimes that's one of the challenges that we have at Christmas is that Christmas can become almost like a competition in giving gifts. We want to outgive one another rather than giving in a way that simply reflects the generosity of God because he gave to us who could never ever pay him back in any way. He is amazingly generous. So let's try to look at at Christmas from God's standpoint and think about the generosity of God. Think about how the God of the universe humbled himself. How he who is mighty became simple. Reflect on the gracious generosity of God the Father towards you. He is generous in setting up 
a universe, a cosmos, perfectly designed not only for human existence, but for our pleasure. Think about the things that God has given us. Think about all the variety of tastes, sweet and sour, salty, all the different flavors that we experience in our world that our senses are able to enjoy. Every one of those is a gift from a God who says, I have made life in such a way to bring you joy and to have it be abundant. So often, I lose sight of his generousness. He is generous in his provision towards us. Every breath is a gift from him. Every provision that we have, every resource is a gift from him. Think of what he's given to us in this incredible world, the seasons that we get to enjoy, the variety. Um, I was listening to, to Meredith, who said she was, sorry, Meredith, who said she was from uh, Georgia, getting excited because she saw a few snow flurries, you know, and that's cool. I mean, it's true. This week, we got to see a few snakes of, floor, of, of snow falling down, and it's the promise that maybe we will have a white Christmas. What, how cool is that? You know, it's a beautiful thing. Now, we come from Colorado, so there are t- moments when snow is not as exciting to us because we've lived through a lot of it, but I miss it. I miss the way the light shines off of it, especially when it's in the trees, and it's a picture of the beauty and generosity of God. God the Father is generous in giving us freedom of will, in giving us his word, in sending us his prophets, in establishing the covenants, in giving us the law, in making his promises. He is generous in the loyal, enduring love that he gives towards us, even though we, and specifically I, have shamed him, rebelled against him, ignored him, and yet his love endures forever. God the Father especially is generous in giving us his son, the one he loves most, God the Father gave for you and I. He is also generous in giving us his Holy Spirit to live within us. And God the Son He came to earth to show us what the Father is like, to show us the generous, amazing heart of our God. He is generous in our teaching, showing us how to live, how to have a relationship with him, how to follow him. He is generous in his healing because he is the giver and sustainer of life. He is generous in his feeding, not just in the feeding of the 5,000, but in what he provides for you and I day after day, meal after meal, He is generous in serving us. He was incredibly generous in giving his life to die for us. Generous in his resurrection, proving that he was victorious over sin and death. One day soon, he will show his great generosity in his return to gather all who have trusted in him to be with him forever. He is generous in his promises to us, in buying salvation for us, in dying the death that we deserved. He is generous in making us joint heirs with him. He is generous 
and shepherding over our souls and watching over us. And all of that generosity came packaged at Christmas in a small child laying in a manger wrapped in strips of cloth. See, all that was in this indescribable gift that it's so easy to lose sight of. God, the Holy Spirit is generous toward us, generous in being with us, in filling us, in comforting us, in bringing conviction to our heart and our life about sin, in challenging us so that we do not stay the same, in giving us the words that we need to say, in filling our hearts and lives with peace, especially when we walk through difficult trial or grief. All of these are gifts of the generous heart of God that came as a result of Christmas. Generosity is always other-focused. It is never self-focused. Everything about Jesus' birth, everything about the Christmas story shows us how us-focused God is in his love and his generosity. So don't allow the familiarity of thinking you know the story to rob you of the experience of encountering the generous heart of God. Jesus' birth certainly had a few moments that were amazing. The the shepherds hearing the angels bring the announcement would have been an event to, to see that would blow us away for the rest of our lives. But so much of his birth was incredibly simple, incredibly humble. And it's so easy to lose track in the story that this is God himself, the one who made everything, taking on human flesh to give himself for us. Think about the humility of Christ's birth. He who was without sin was born under a sentence of death. As soon as he had put on our nature, he stood under the condemnation of the law, not because he had sinned, but because he came to bear our sin, to bear our guilt. He was born to die. We are all children of wrath because of sin, and yet he came and took that on himself. He lived a perfect, sinless life, but he came to die. The place and the condition of Jesus' birth reflect the reality of our need. When we read these familiar verses that we'll we'll look at over and over again in the upcoming days, like this in Luke chapter two, verse seven, and she, speaking of Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We know that verse. It's so familiar. But have you thought about the impact and what message that communicates to us? He who was the bread of life was laid in a feeding trough full of straw. And like straw, which has no nutrients because it doesn't have the the head of grain there from which you can make bread and wheat, mankind had exhausted all of its efforts to nurture itself. The straw reflects the emptiness of what we bring. He who was a righteous king was wrapped not in royal robes, but in rags. Those rags 
which welcomed and warmed him give a good comparison to the filthy rags of our own efforts towards righteousness apart from him. He who was the heir of heaven was born in poverty to meet the spiritual poverty of our own hearts. Our souls have been made poor by sin. But he who had everything became nothing and nothing is all that we have to offer him. There was no room for him in the end because humanity had shut God out of their hearts in every conceivable way. You see, even the most simple verse is absolutely packed with meaning when we meditate on it and allow the reality of this amazing miracle we call Christmas to touch our hearts in a fresh way. Instead of a palace, the king of kings was born in a cave. He was born homeless and lived homeless through most of his ministry to demonstrate that this earth is not our home. In him, we have our ultimate possession. Our ultimate home is with him in heaven and on the new earth. Jesus gave everything. And the truth is, no one has ever given more than Jesus did for us. 2 Corinthians um, verse 9, verse 8 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be made rich. God humbled himself to enrich our lives with all of his spiritual blessings. That's Christmas a Christmas that we lose sight of. While he was in heaven, the Lord Jesus had the richness of the Father's throne room. Everything belonged to him. He reigned majestically and supremely. He was the owner of all things because all things were created by him and for him. And he humbled himself and became poor for you and I. How amazing is God's generosity? What is more is that God in his generosity did not give to his friends, but to his enemies. Romans chapter five says, God demonstrated or shows his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, And much more, now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Romans 5, 8, and 10. So having a simple Christmas begins begins with reflecting on the generosity of God in his inexpressible gift. And what I would challenge you to do is this Christmas, set aside some time to simply write down some of the things that impact your own heart about God's generosity towards you. You really want to make Christmas meaningful and filled with Christ? Reflect on his indescribable gift. The second thing is to then put that generosity into practice. Choose generosity over spending. That's the point of the passage we read in the beginning. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 7 and 8 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Christmas becomes simple when we choose a Jesus-like generosity instead of the pressure of spending to impress others. God gives us some incredible promises here. And what he says is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to choose in your own heart, decide not because of the pressure of others, not because a preacher said so, but decide in your own heart how you want to demonstrate the generosity of God towards you in giving to others. And see, when that becomes the motivation for our giving, it changes everything. It takes away the pressure because God's saying, I don't want you to be stressed about this. I'm simply inviting you into an incredible gift. I want you to experience the joy that I have because let me tell you, the reason why the angels sang glory to God in heaven is because God, when he gave his son, it was the most exciting, wonderful, love-filled act he could possibly do. God was full of joy in giving this inexpressible gift. His heart was bursting out to show you and I how much he loves us. That's what we want to have at Christmas, is a heart that bursts over being able to reflect the generosity of God. And what does it say? It says God loves a cheerful giver. A giver who said, you know what, Lord, you have done so much for me. I want to I don't want to hoard that. I don't want to take the blessings you've given me. Lord, I want to pour out upon others the grace and generosity that you poured out upon me. And it isn't about having a lot of, a lot of things. It's not about whether we're rich or we're poor. It's about taking the generosity that God has already given us and sharing it with others. And his promise is that he will supply Everything we need to make that be bountiful. He wants to make you and I rich, not in material things. This is not a prosperity gospel at all. He wants to make you rich in the joy of God's generous heart. It's not about you and I getting more stuff and being more comfortable. It's having our heart transformed to be like the heart of God himself. And that's why he encourages us to give generously to others. A grace-filled generosity means giving of ourselves to others as God has given himself. Remember what the scripture tells us in Philippians chapter two. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is something you already possess. Whether or not you're living it out is a different question. You already have this mind. Um, that though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, be becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. What he's saying is, when we take on that mind, a mind that is humble, and we allow ourselves to be emptied, to be given away towards others, we become more and more like Jesus Christ. We are experiencing more and more the life and the fullness he wants to give us. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but when you allow yourself to be emptied out, to be given away, you actually get filled more. 
Because you see, it, it's, like, it's like a river or a running water. The only way that it stays fresh is if it flows through. If it goes into a, a place where it is stagnant, then it loses its freshness. The same is true about our heart and about our generosity. God's grace will flow through us. Um, so here's what I want you to take home. This is ultimately the point of all my perhaps rambling today on trying to make Christmas simple. God's grace is made visible when God's people are generous towards others as God has been generous towards us. God's grace is made visible when God's people are generous towards others as God has been generous towards us. It's as simple as that. That's what he calls us to do, is to reflect his heart, to reflect his love. When we begin to practice that, then the promise that all men will know that we are his disciples by our love that we have for one another gets put on display. When we have a generous, gracious, giving heart towards others, they're able to see the generosity of God himself. So, what I encourage us to do this Christmas to make it simple is first reflect on how generous God has been and secondly, ask the Lord to show you how to put his generosity to life in your own relationships to live it out before others. And let me give you just some really practical ideas for ways that we can be intentional about having a generous heart. And that's what it requires. It requires beginning to pray, Lord, show, show me how you want me to give to others. And not just to my family and to my friends, but especially to those who are in need because that's what God has done for us. So here's some practical things. Let me encourage you, when you're doing your shopping Maybe you buy one less present, one less gift, and you purchase some gift cards. Or, or maybe, um, maybe you have meal vouchers that you get as, as part of your, your package. What if you were to take some of those and, and some of those gift cards and just be intentional about looking for opportunities to give that to someone in need? Maybe it's a homeless person. Maybe it's someone that you meet. Maybe it's an, maybe it's an elderly person that lives in, in your own building. Someone on a fixed income that just has very little resources. Be intentional and look for opportunities to give. Give a blanket, an umbrella, gloves, hat, some kind of clothes, something warm to those that you, you meet on the streets, especially as cold weather is coming. Let me encourage you to give a, a Christmas gift in support of, of a refugees or here in, in the community. Um, the Dignity Refugee, Refugee Outreach is a great way to help invest. The things that they are doing are practically showing the love of Christ. If you're a, a parent with children, let me encourage you to have your children go through the toys that they already have. Have them look for something there that they would want to give to someone else. Not just the things that they don't necessarily play with anymore, but it'll mean even more if they pick something that they enjoy or that has been meaningful to them. They say, I'd like to give that to someone else. It helps them learn God's heart for us. We can do that. And the same's true with you and I as adults. It doesn't 
it doesn't have to be, giving doesn't have to be about spending a lot of money. If you're intentional in the beginning about the things that you have and you recognize that everything I have belongs to God, then it's a lot easier to look around my flat and say, I wonder if I have something that someone else needs, something that I'm not really using that much anyway that could be a blessing to someone else. Now, don't give junk. Just, let me, okay, just, you know, don't use that as an opportunity to clean out your closet because it's getting overcrowded. That's not the point. <laughs> the point is looking for something that would truly bless someone else. One of the things that we've learned in our, in our life together, Becky and I, is when we go shopping for things, a lot of the things that we're buying, we know we're gonna give this away in a short period of time. We buy it knowing we'll get to enjoy it for a period, maybe, but God's gonna show us somebody who would enjoy it a lot more. And it makes it so much more meaningful and so much freer because none of it belongs to me in the first place. It's simply on loan from God because we are a steward of everything he has, everything he's given us. So look through what you already have and give it to someone else. Take a meal to a neighbor, especially if it's someone who, who has a difficult time getting around, getting out. Write a card to someone that you admire. Bring coffee or tea to someone who's working outside on a cold day. You know, the, the amazing people that sweep our sidewalks? Man, how good would it be just to, you know, look out your, your window and go, oh, they're cleaning the street today. I think I'm going to take them some coffee or some tea. It's a simple thing, but it can mean a lot. Look and listen, especially for ways to bless others, because generosity ultimately begins with listening. Listening for needs and then praying, say, Lord, how could I be an instrument in your blessing to that other person? Offer, <laughs> offer to babysit for a family so mom and dad can have a break. And if it's a single parent, man, offer to, offer to do it frequently. They need a break. Start praying daily for a person that you normally do not pray for and listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Here's another one. Um, make a point to, to go with an older neighbor to the grocery store so that you can carry home what they need. Now, I know you can get groceries delivered, and that's, that's great, but most of the seniors, they don't do that. But, man, how great would it be to, to bring home a couple of two liters for them of, 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 of water or um, just their groceries, you know, a sack of potatoes. That's a simple but generous thing that we can do. Choose someone or a family to bless anonymously this Christmas and make that a part of your Christmas worship together to the Lord. And then finally, write a letter to God thanking him for Jesus and for his generosity towards you. And as you've written it, when you have your family celebration or you as a couple or you as an individual, when you sit down on Christmas morning, read that out as a prayer to the Lord so that we're reflecting on the generosity of God's heart. If we want a Christ-filled Christmas, start focusing on the generosity of God 
by thanking him for his indescribable gift. That's how we'll learn to spend less and yet give more and make Christmas simple. He who is mighty truly has done a great thing and our generous God has met every need we have. And he calls us to a life of grace-filled generosity towards others because God's grace is made visible when God's people are generous towards others as God has been generous towards us. Lord, how can we thank you for your amazing gifts, for your incredible love? How can we truly even begin to comprehend what you have done for us? How the king of the universe chose to humble himself, the great ruler of all made himself simple, made himself common for us. Lord, forgive me for overcomplicating Christmas and for losing sight in the midst of all of the preparations of the person of Christmas. Lord, call our hearts back to you. Make us different. And if you make us different, this Christmas will be incredibly different as we learn to truly worship you for who you are and what you have done. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.